0: Welcome to the Behind the Wind podcast. I'm Lauren Lane. For 50 years now, the LSI team
1: has dedicated themselves to the science of business development. We've seen the impact of our work and how it's evolved into economic development and now social impact work. This week, Sean and I sit down with our fearless Chief Operating Officer, Sarah Bertinoli, to talk about grant capture and proposal development. Right now, our team is offering free consultations and $1,000 off of our grant writing services. And you really do not want to miss out on this offer.
0: We'll talk about it more in the episode, along with Sarah's expertise on different areas of capture and proposal work and her thoughts on the future of grant capture. Let's jump in with them.
1: Sarah, thanks for joining us on this episode of Behind the Wind. I've been excited to have you back on our show. And before we start, let me just tell you that you are still the number one most downloaded. Episode. Lauren and I think that you're telling all of your friends, blog friends, and everything, hey, <laughs> download this because I want to be the most downloaded BTW episode. And <laughs> so what the heck is going on with that?
0: I know I hired bots.
1: <laughs> I hired bots to download your episode. So we're now at over a million downloads. Of your, of your episode. <laughs> I don't have a million friends. That's amazing. That <laughs> is a lot of mommy bloggers that are downloading. That is. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this and what we want to discuss is our grant capture and proposal services. So much of our work in grant capture and proposal have changed over the last couple of years really in I mean, even last year, just our overall approach to grant capture and grant proposals have radically changed. And and we've seen this spike in activity for both grant capture and grant proposals. So let me talk about something that annoys me first and get your take on it. Everyone talks about this discipline as grant writing. I don't know where that came up, came from, but it was, I think, this somebody started shortening grant proposal writing to grant writing. It's not grant writing. <laughs> the customer writes the grants. We are responding to their RFP and I, I mean I just I think that subtle angle on thinking about grant capture and grant proposal development differently starts there. We are not writing the grant. The customer, Issuing the funding writes the grant. We write and individuals responding to their RFPs or notice of funding or whatever they are calling it is just like how we approach capture and traditional FAR based proposal development. Let's start with that.
0: So I would say when I started and coming from someone not being in this industry, that's how you explained it to me what I quickly learned is there is this divide, right, that the, there's this proposal, and that can be in compensation, that can be in expertise, but there was this divide of you have this grant side and you have this proposal side, and although they may be, I mean, we can talk about some of the differences and then the similarities, but I, I 100% agree with you. I think that um, grants and there's a million different grants, right? Whether those are Sivers, whether they're three and eight, it doesn't matter what they are. All of them have a little bit of different requirements and um, what they're looking for. What I will say, the differences are proposals are very technical, and grants need a little bit more of that compelling story or fluff that we call it, right? So, but but I think that they're so coming from the outside in. You telling you training me with that, and then being able to look at it, I, I feel like what we've tried to do over the last little bit is to combine the practices or merge them back together, right? And that really came to the forefront when we started going through the CAL FIRE proposal, right? That we, I got to see where, like you just said, when the the client's the subject matter expert, we're there to organize it, make sure it's compliant, Tell the story around it, make it look pretty, and we we edit too, right? And we can do some writing when and research, absolutely. But where we've gotten so far off track is we have a lot of them that have to write some of their technical, you know, data, and you you have to have the client providing you that to be able. And, and we can make it look better, right? But they're the experts of their own domain, so they're the ones that have to give you that, right? And we got to see that on CalFire where. When we were authors, we were in charge of writing that, and our proposal manager had, you know, he would edit and he would tell us and guide and direct, which that's what LSI is great at. But you've got to have the client who's just as committed and able to have, you know, people dedicated to it as well to be able to give that technical data. But really, the last year is bringing that all together because they can be the same practices. Now we see on proposals, strictly RPs, they're a lot bigger, right? They're like the one we just went through the years are longer, the money's bigger, all of that. But then, and, and sometimes on just grants, so to speak, where you're getting the money, but you've got to do something in return. Those can be sometimes shorter, you know, and, and have those differences. But there's so many that I really want to merge those back together where we're using the same best practices for both.
1: I love that. I recently had Alan Bellachico. At the end of this huge, three, whatever it is, $300 million proposal that we developed and and submitted and have since won, while this was still fresh in his mind, I wanted Alan to talk about his approach and strategy, and then we really focused on color teams, and we're going to talk about that tied to grant proposal development because I think it's key, a key element missing in most processes around responding to grant RFPs you and I both I think agree that there is no one better than Alan Belichico at and what he does I think he's the most talented proposal manager I've ever had the opportunity to work with and maybe the most talented proposal manager in
0: the in the country right now his work is at such a high level Hands down, and a lot of his templates that he used are what we've incorporated, right? And he's been he's been great in. We we had some of these bigger grants, right? Because, and, and here's where the funding's changed, and and you you've talked about that a lot along the way that some of these IIJA grants or Inflation Reduction Act uh, grants that are coming out, they want more technical. So, yeah. and also the more technical ones want some more of the compelling story. So the industry's already moving that they're merging that. So Alan is for sure the GOAT, and we have, he has looked at big ones for us and given us feedback because he really does like to stay more on the technical proposal side. But I mean, my goal and with, you know, our uh, VP of grants and writing is we want people that are hybrids or what we call back to, I guess, normal, right, (laughs) is that they can do both of them. And we want to train them to do both of them because there has been that segregation.
1: What happened in the last two years, specifically, I mean, we saw a lot of the Fed CIV organizations going down this path for some time, trying to streamline acquisition for both commodities and services. But what has happened in the last two years over Build Back Better, IIJA, and if anyone listening needs the history of either Build Back Better or IIJ, there's a lot of uh, prior episodes that you can search under the behind the wind and get, those, get the history. We're not going to go deep into this on this episode. But there was such urgency by the, these organizations driven by the Congress to obligate these funds. This, In the case of the IIJA, $1.6 trillion got pushed to mostly the Fed CIV organizations. Each of these organizations then had a lot of pressure by the Congress to obligate these funds. So there was this idea of how do we think out of the box on acquisition? And there's been some other things that have come out since then, as you talked about the inflation reduction, CHIPs the department of commerce has issued a lot of one-off recovery type projects similar to similar to the IJA funding but what we found is that a lot of these organizations thinking out of the box there's no box i mean it's they are so far gone and i really believe that this is germane to our business the future of acquisition the future of capture and proposal for any Federal opportunity—it's not going to go back to far-based contracting. We're never going to do another ten-thousand-page proposal. Never. I just don't—I do not see that in the next twenty years. So I think you're going to see more and more of these organizations saying, "Oh, this thirty-page simple format is the way to to do this." Especially if we're receiving a hundred proposals that we have to go through. So, I, I think that what is happening with this grant format is crossing over on both sides. That a lot of these organizations that have historically contracted under FAR based contracting are abandoning that. They're saying we need it simplified, but we still need a, a technical volume, even if it's 30 pages. I mean, we're going to need a, you know, 20 page, 10 page technical section of the the proposal to determine, do you have the capability to provide this commodity or service? And then conversely, I see a lot of the traditional academia foundations in these organizations that issue grants are are adopting some of the more in-depth requirements, proposal development requirements in their process as well. So I see it really has changed our business in the last
0: two years. I agree. And I think when you say how the funding was appropriated, that was what was so new. And, And we have some compassion for them because it was a mess for a bit. It was like someone telling you you won the lotto and what are you going to do with $50 billion, right? Or a trillion dollars. So, and you could tell that in the, you know, funding opportunities that were released. We it, we would see sections where, again, why you want to hire LSI because we're used to this is breaking that out is we would see sections where they're asking the same thing in three different sections, or we need to make sure that we say X, Y, and Z, you need to include this. They didn't ask this. And Many people don't know that as part of this process, there's this um, timeline, this short timeline, you get to ask questions, right? And that's where we're great at too, is asking the clarifying questions. We can break that funding opportunity or RFP down to make it into a sensible doc that our clients can actually understand. And then we ask clarifying questions so that there isn't this ambiguity out there.
1: So it really goes back to what we've said for the last 30 years, as we have worked grant capture and proposal, you must do the capture piece of this. It is so critical that you have that interface and market intelligence with the customer that when you go to write, you've got a story to tell. And if you're not doing that work upfront, well in advance of the RFP being released, you're, you're likely going to lose this. It's a low probability that you are going to, submit a cold response without the market intelligence. So having our team embedded inside these FedSiv organizations, getting that market intelligence upfront, preferably before the RFP drops, because you're not going to have a lot of time once this RFP drops. We see this every single day that these RFPs drop, and then you've got five days to respond, right? So Having that market intelligence up front, having, and especially having a existing relationship with the customer is critical. And that is so foreign for most of these traditional
0: historical grant proposal developers. Yeah. And we, and let me preface that we can do both. If you don't have the time to have us in there for capture, we can do it, but it is a lot more chaotic. And you, and coming from someone who wasn't in the industry, I would always think too, like, we'll just tack the capture onto the really front of this once it's. Through. No, you cannot do that. I mean, we can't. We do it and we charge for it, right? I mean, that's a premium. That's like if DoorDash and you wanted it at six p.m. or you wanted it at six a.m. So we we're going to charge for it and we can do it. I mean, you give me ones with three day turns sometimes, right? And I can exactly. our team can do it. it but if we can be embedded and. And doing that capture piece and understanding, it's like you have everything already ready and you're just fine-tuning it during that once it's dropped, once that funding or RFP has dropped. So absolutely, capture is crucial. And we're not going to go into much of the capture
1: process. We've got some other episodes where we've talked about capture. But let's talk about the proposal development because so much of our work has been over the last two or three years, has shifted from these traditional, large, complex proposals to 30-page responses. Even these billion-dollar opportunities, the agencies are issuing RFPs with a technical proposal of under 50 pages. I mean, that is just unheard of, even five years ago, that would have been unheard of. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna issue a, a billion dollar RFP under this grant format, and you've got thirty pages to respond
0: or less.
1: I mean, uh, sometimes we see it's ten pages.
0: Yeah, and and that includes your cover letter, that includes your right. intro, and so. But where LSI is great is we figured out ways that they may limit your approach, right? Your technical approach to 10 pages, but then they give you an area for work breakdown structure that's unlimited. So that's where you can embed some of that information, but it, people would think a smaller proposal is easier and it's hard. It's like saying you have a 200 page book and I want you to give me the cliff notes of it. Right. So it's, it, there's so much you want to say and explain, and you've got to figure that out and break, you know, get it down to brass tax forum because yeah. that's what's limited it.
1: I think that's a great point. I mean, we had a client recently say, oh, my God, I mean, we gave him a, a bid on this response and they said, oh, my goodness, it's 30 pages. Well, yes, it was a 30 page document. But the strategy, the process, the all of the elements that went into that 30 page document was we were still doing that work under the capture and transition into proposal that is critical for the client to submit a winning winning bid. And I, I think it's been a, a challenge as we have, sh- as the market has shifted away from far-based traditional large proposals to these 30-page proposals to get them thinking that way differently. It's they still think, oh, we could do this in a weekend. It's 30 pages. Uh, We're going to just respond to this on our own. Or why do you need more than one member of the team to put this together? You don't. I mean, right? Yeah. They think 30 pages. Oh my goodness. And we can, you know, we could have our, somebody internally do this Friday night before they go
0: home. (laughs) Right. And we educate them, right? I I mean, why they want to have LSI in our team is you're going to have a higher chance of winning. We have compliance, some of the best DTPs in the entire nation. I would say that hands down, you know, that we're going to make sure, you know, you're at the right font, you're within the page limits that you have graphic, I mean, anything that you need your compliance. So we're not only saving you time, but our team is also experienced at meeting deadlines and requirements. We know how to move backwards. If the deadline's the 13th, we're saying we're done the 10th, we've done, here's your reviews, here's where we got a mail, you know, Those things that when you're doing that internally, that organization and leadership, you need to come from someone facilitating it outside of your organization.
1: I love it. I have been surprised over the last two years as well that we have had so many lobbying firms that have approached us and have said, we have clients that are We've done the policy work. We've done the policy side of the business. We are now having our clients interface with the agency, and they're having to respond to these RFPs to get these this funding. And they're pushing this work to us. And I can't ever remember a time where we have done so much what we call white-labeled work, where we work under the lobbying firm. Usually it's a law firm, a D.C., K.E. Street firm that is subcontracting this work to us. And we will, what we call white label this, where the client just, they get the product through their relationship with the lobbying firm. Talk about that for a minute. I thought, I think that was brilliant,
0: Sarah. And I I think this concept is, was, you know, at the first of last year, and it's, it was insane to me at first, but it makes sense to me. I mean, they trust, They're lawyers. They have, but it's these lawyers and lobbying firms that are these aggregate for anything, whether they say, I need you to send a demand letter. I need you to do my divorce. I need you to find me a consultant. I need you to write this. I mean, they're the ones that are now aggregating it all. And I I think it's actually a novel concept. And so We do, we white label it, meaning like we're one with their team, right? So they hire us and we're working with a big company, international company. And we're saying, you know, we're doing that proposal writing or we've done things as write job descriptions for them because they're international and they needed help, you know, getting people hired here that maybe that doesn't track well. I mean, we've done so many different things under the umbrella of business development for them that they I mean, I love the idea. We're working with one point of contact. I mean, we still work with their teams for proposals and such, but it's a great idea. And it, and we love it because our contracts with one person and they're just sending us clients. And I, I mean, I think it's a great idea and I love it. And I think I hope that that carries on. And that's kind of it's never going to be the new norm, but it's something you see with bigger companies now that that's what they're doing
1: it really gives these lobbying firms an advantage, a competitive advantage that they could never develop on their own. So they will have us do the capture work. They will have us bring in the subject matter expert. They will have us do all of the proposal development against this RFP and funding. It's, I think it's brilliant. You, I loved it. When, when you uh, approached me on this concept and, said, so this, this is what we're, we're thinking. It was something new that we had never done before. And now we're working with all of these K Street firms that are are pushing this capture and proposal work to us where we are working as part of their team, white labeled, supporting the, their clients to help them win business. And I think that there's a real business model there that that
0: we will continue to develop. I love it. And I what I love about these firms too is they have no problem, lawyers and lobbyists, mind you, saying, this isn't in our wheelhouse, but we're going to find it. Like, we'll get you and bringing us in and whoever else, you know, to do the things that they do not, it, it isn't, they're not an expert at. And so I love that they are willing to partner and do this. Okay. So once
1: we have worked all of the capture, have built this story, we've done the interface with the, customer, what typically are you looking at in responding to, to these, I'm just going to call them requests for proposals. I know that every organization now is All saying company, right? notice of funding opportunity and a funding opportunity announcement. And there's t- they're branding this 10 different ways. It's still a request for a proposal at some point. So I'm just going to Just know that you're going to see when you're going to see these NOFOs and FOAs and it may come out saying solicitation, RFP, whatever, RFQ. I'm just going to call it request for proposal, abbreviated RFP. That's what it is. When you have your team evaluating a client RFP, what does the delivery team look for in being able to resource and position our team to interface with the client and build these high win
0: probabilities. So, I mean, like you said, once the capture and we've interfaced with that client, we can, based on the opportunity they're going for, and 90% of the time, that's an opportunity we found for them, right? In our monthly, um, you know, research funding pipeline that we built for them, we vetted it out so we know that they have a high probability to win. There are times I, I do want to add that our team is great too. We're never always, we're not always going to just say, yep, let's do it. If it's a the proba- high, the probability isn't high enough, that's the feedback we give them. Hey, there's probably a better one coming. We need to work on X, Y, and Z. Maybe we need to partner with someone and or pull them in now, and then it gives you a higher probability to win. But what we do is based on whatever that RFP is, we're going to, when we say it, t-shirt size it, meaning I'm going to give you a range. There's small, medium, large, and extra large. And that when people say, well, the reason it's a range is because every client says they have everything ready to go. People are committed. Let's do it. Well, in my small, if my small is 80 to 120 hours, if they do have everything ready to go, yeah, they're probably closer to the 80, hour mark on a, on a smaller funding opportunity. If we get in there and it's hard to get some of their folks on the phone or people are really having to do a lot of the writing and authoring, not just editing. And um, it, it isn't all in one place that we need it and we're piecemealing it, then you're at the higher end of that range. And so we usually do, you know, that, that's what we're doing is sizing it, giving it a mess, an estimate. Then from there, we're going to build out a timeline. Like I said, the first thing is, is we're working backwards from the due date. And then we're pulling out, does it need to be printed? Does it need to be, Is it? can you send it digitally? Any of those tactical items, that's what's helping build our timeline of the work over the next little bit. And then our team is going to fully integrate immediately. We start, you know, and depending on size, right, if you have a small versus a medium, but you're having daily stand ups, you are going through each of the sections and author seeing where they're, you know, what percentage are they done? What are the roadblocks or challenges you need to remove? There's some things we really just jump in and embed ourselves with that team. And what I love is after every client's experience with this, I always get, we love so-and-so, we love so-and-so, you know, and they'll start going straight to them on the next ones prior to coming through, you know, the doors of like, let us size it, let's get the contracts because they have this relationship with them. And so really it's the, the biggest thing is building that compliance checklist, that timeline of when everything is due and that you're constantly looking at that. That is in the forefront of everybody knowing where we are. What time we have left? What's done? What isn't done? Was it difficult when you started with the company? We really had
1: we had the proposal team, and then we had the grant team, and they were both fairly siloed. There wasn't a lot of interface. I love that you you have torn down all of those walls and have said it's it, it was the right thing that these are complex responses that it's not uh, I mean, historically the proposal team had been working these the, these large far-based proposals. The grant team had been working small 30 to 50,000. I mean a200,000 grant, That was a big grant five years ago. Now we've got these the grant team which like I said is now there's really a blurred demarcation between the two organizations because you brought them together so brilliantly but was it difficult getting the the historic grant proposal developers thinking differently I I mean I love what you have done with this but was that a challenge just culturally
0: so I think it is because you have they're very different. I can see in just when we interview the folks we've hired, the people we've worked with, there is that delineation. But where I feel like I sold it to them is they were selling themselves short, not giving themselves the credit that, you know, to just be like, well, I'm just a grant writer or I'm just, you know, no, what do you mean, just a grant writer? They're the same things. You have different requirements, layouts, compliance, whatever that is on any kind of funding opportunity. If you can do you know, some of these really hard and, you know, silver ones can, they're insane with the kind of. The technical, the technical yeah. response is intense. Yeah. The, that you can do that. It's just the changing of how we approach the client, so to speak, right? Because when you are working with more municipalities and and it's nothing bad that they can be maybe slower moving and and they don't have the key personnel they need. So you are supplementing a lot of that. Where when you're with a client who, who has that technical data and the professionals around it and such. So really, it's just their mindset and how they approach it and that they want to see the same kind of templates and artifacts and check-ins. But yeah, I, I think once we sold it to them that way, right, that it's that you can do both. And now we want this cross training and we want to support it. And, you know, because even like you said, the industry, they make sure it's proposed they, they they're calling it different. When all reality, a request for proposal is a request for proposal. Right, exactly. (laughs) Conversely,
1: was it hard taking some of these grizzled proposal managers and proposal writers into this realm of, okay, you're going to do these grants? Because they thought about grant capture and proposal differently all of these years as well, which was more difficult, the bringing the bringing the far-based proposal right. of managers and writers over or bringing the, the traditional grant capture and proposal developers in, into this new mindset?
0: Definitely the grant into the proposal mindset proposal. They're there. They have that confidence with them that they think they can do anything you need them to do. Right. And, and, and I've seen it. We've, you know, on some of our firms, we just talked about the lobbyist firms and such that we've brought someone in a proposal arena for the last 30 years over and is kind of doing that more economic development and stuff that you see in the grant area. And he's had a great transition. I mean, the growing pains were nil and he is doing a great job at it. So, and I laugh because I think the second I get off here, my grants team is going to, you know, um, kick me in the head, but and it isn't, it's nothing with them. It's that they, I really feel like they They didn't, it, it was their confidence and, and that they needed to be given the credit. They can do both, you know what I mean? That they can do it. They're winning these
1: billion dollar proposals and and, and funding opportunities that are exponentially greater than anything that they had done previously. And it's it's fun to see that. And then conversely, having the traditional farbase team proposal team come and approach an rfp for a grant that you know is a billion dollars I, I think it's in the end it's it's about telling the right story in a limited in a limited real estate that it's it's just thinking about it
0: differently but they did it i mean they did 700 million dollars this summer right and But I would say, obviously, also conversely, that it was client education, too, because some of ours that typically bigger companies, they think, you know, well, do you know anything about energy? And I would say right to their face, I don't know. I don't need to know the intricacies of your energy. I can write this and do this and you feed me that information, you know, and it's back to being a project manager or business analyst. They don't need to be the SME in whatever they're doing. It's a print. It's a structure. It's a process. It's procedure. And it, uh, bringing it all together, I don't need to understand what a carbon and carbon plus, plus you know, all of that means. So.
1: <laughs> but you have been brilliant bringing in the right subject matter experts to ensure that we are positioning our clients to win. I, really? I mean, It's this concept of we're going to tell a great story And we need to have the credibility behind that story. And it's just, it's been amazing, Sarah. I love what you're doing.
0: Thank you. And I think it's just being open to that. I don't have to find the, all of the people or, you know, we, we bring in a proposal manager. He's like, Hey, I got a buddy that did windmills or I've got this and, and they write too. And it's being open to those connections coming from all over the place.
1: You recently I asked you to, to participate in this large proposal that we just completed at the end of last year. We, we started early and then compressed. Uh, I mean, things changed as they always do. And, and I think that's part of this business is being flexible enough to adjust, which you're amazing at, at doing that, juggling everything. And But I, I said to you, I think it'll be good for you to be in the middle of this large organic proposal that we did at the end of last year, $300 million and won, which you were a big part of that with Alan, who was just amazing. But what I thought was funny or uh, interesting is you said, okay, Alan, I'm going to bring you in. I want you to talk with our this big grant capture and proposal team about what we just did. So you had this training uh, a few weeks ago Talk about what some of the things that Alan provided to this team that and guidance that he gave this large grant capture and proposal team that you w- were memorable and that you think we should share with our, our clients.
0: First, I think you created a monster. You did tell me you need to be embedded in this. And now I don't think there'll be one that I'm not embedded in. Stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's because, it, and it was great because those who teach sometimes don't do. So we do this for everyone else. And when you take it internally and it's something for yourselves, that's where you sometimes will, you know, cut corners and such. And so you, I, I can't wait to hear the one with Alan, because I said, listen, Sean, you you do, you do whatever you want. And Sean and I are just bystanders in this, right. And our whole team, you yep. take it. But uh, So we haven't, and an, Alan, I I couldn't have him attend the training because he's, you know, working 500 hours this month, but he, um, along the way, so I would say over the last six months, like I've told you, he has given us feedback on these larger type grants that our teams, you know, have done and he'll take it and really decompose it and break it down and have those comments. He's given us so much knowledge and just his expertise. And so what I tried to take, like I said, was the templates that he uses it. I want us to be consistent, right? Our folks have autonomy to run these projects or these engagements, but I also want our clients to get used to seeing the, it, it, when they do multiple grants with us, right? We have some last year that did 15, that they're seeing the same, their teams are used to us too. It's fluid. And so not only his templates, but just his mindset around it. And so that coupled with you know, uh, really, with Desiree too and how they operate is kind of merging that, hey, what can we let's use this template, that the count, the timeline calendar, everything looks the same all the time. Let's make sure we're using budget templates that start to have if they don't give them, some will give them to you and you have to just plug in the numbers, right? But there's some that we have to create that. There's some program development we have to do. If they don't tell you the positions, they say, here's what we want. You have to develop that program out and say, "Here's the position." So it was really taking how he decomposes, does the work breakdown structure, how he runs even daily meetings, and especially his reviews. The review stuff was so great. We put that out there. Now it's not only what in a in a color team if you're in a red team or pink, what you can what the authors can expect, what the reviewers can expect, and what his outcomes need to be. And it's just the efficiency of how he runs that day-to-day through through that 30-day, 45-day process on those proposals. When we
1: acquired Shipley in the early 2000s, I mean, one of the things that I had envisioned we would have with that Shipley acquisition was this training capability where we would go in and, and work with clients and train them on how you respond, how you develop winning proposals. And it really was the it, it really was the reason that we acquired Shipley all those years ago. What I love about what you're doing it with these clients is a lot of times we have this training in tandem with the actual opportunity. You've got a team in there Working with the client hand in hand, showing them how to do this, helping them through this process. And what we found is that, I mean, we've got clients now that we've done in the last two years, we've done 30, 50 uh, grant proposals for. And having that training up front, I think, is critical. If anyone is looking at responding to these large grant funding opportunities I think it's there's a real opportunity to have our team come in be embedded with the client team and provide that framework on how the best practices and how you do this
0: yep and we the training part you know people I think would say is why would you train them because then you're putting yourself out of business absolutely not If you know something's coming and that's what we do again in our pipeline research that we offer is, hey, we know it's coming out in April. Let us come in in February. Let us sit down with your team. We're going to do a mock one. We're going to show you everything that they can expect, because like you said, when it's a 30 day turn and they have no clue and we, we will, we've done it. We'll educate them at the same time. And but ideally, it's nice to be able to go in and train them and show them that this is what it looks like. And and our team is great. and we do so much training with the states, you know, on the programs that we run. We, they have us train their small businesses on how to, if they don't have the money or the budget, we'll give them trainings on how, you know, here's our approach, obviously, 10,000 foot level, of how we attack these types of requests for proposal. So that's a great point. So much of our work
1: is pursuing grant, Funding through some government entity, meaning a state, a municipality will contract with us to either work with a private or nonprofit entity or a university or capture that funding for the government entity. And there's a little different chemistry I've I've noticed working with. A government entity versus a commercial entity. Talk about the two interfacing with those two different customer sets.
0: Absolutely, I would say we have um, we do a lot of things that are outside what you would consider your, the norm or outside of the job. I, I hate saying the job description because my job is to do whatever we need to do to help people win. So it, it whatever that is. So, if it, but we do a lot more of that when it comes to the municipalities and, and things like that, right? And, and I don't know that that's because, and I don't want to say the funding's not coming out of their pocket, right? But it, it's it, the funding it, is an aggregate or a whole. Where with our commercial folks, I mean, they've got, they know the hours, they know, they want to see the notes, they know what you're working on. I mean, and it's very regimented in their use, they're a little bit better about you know, when we say authoring or, you know, giving them that homework assignment and it's coming back, you know, and neither neither one's good nor bad, right? I mean, we can work with both, but there's definitely that difference that, you know, that we can see.
1: I am so impressed with what you're doing so different than our historical engagements around capture and proposal development. I love that for you know hundred thousand dollars of ca- capture and proposal development, we might be winning a billion or more dollars of funding. I just the the return on investment today for these high profile, high funded grants is just so different than it we've ever seen in the last in my career, career the last thirty years I've been doing this. I like also that you're working with foundations and family offices that have can see that kind of philanthropy of investing a couple hundred thousand dollars and getting, you know, two billion dollars in return. That doesn't always happen. But I mean, we're, we're seeing that kind of thinking if you're a state or municipal entity, if you're a university even I mean the for-profit non-profit entities thinking this way differently. That if I invest two hundred thousand dollars, a quarter of a million dollars, into a capture and proposal campaign, I might get this huge return on my investment or a return on the donation. We're working with a family office now that that's it, going down this path. I mean, talk about that kind of impact that we're having
0: on our work. It's amazing. Yeah, I think, I I mean, the nonprofits and family offices that we work with, I mean, I love their causes. I love that they're giving back, so to speak, right? And they sometimes just need that structure or governance around it. Because, you know, when someone thinks of it as like giving back, oh, I'm going to give, and this is not to deter what you know, a scholarship or something would mean, that's great too. But if you've got this sum of money, you know, that you can give it to a bunch of different areas, you know what I mean? But the return on investment, I, I mean, we have the cost analysis that our team breaks down with each client. The fact you don't have to hire your, your staff full time, like you said, you're going to spend a hundred grand with proposal capture development with us in a year. Well, that's one salary in today's industry, right? That, but you get, all of our whole entire Rolodex of subject matter experts, you get all of our team that's working for you for that cost, right? That's doing strategy. Um, we sat on, you know, at the end of last year, we sat on clients' recaps of the year and their strategy calls for the next year, you know. So you get a lot more the cast analysis and ROI are there's that's no argument. Right. Right. Yeah, the impact that we're having on
1: this return on investment or impact. For this type of philanthropy, I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I like that. I, lo- I love this philanthropy. I always have. I mean, we have done a lot of this kind of work over the years and and have seen for a little investment, the huge return that you get through working business development and most foundations, family offices. State and municipal entities, they don't think that way, right? They don't think about, oh my goodness, if I invested a million dollars in a capture and proposal campaign, I could get billions of dollars in return.
0: And not only just their ROI, but it's that without those kind of philanthropy offices, they're very scrutinized and rightfully so in this day and age. So, with someone like us doing your program execution and helping you with that, We have all the reporting, right? We've got everything compliance wise, but we're just, we're also, you're legit. I mean, you're having to answer and you've got the metrics and like you said, the ROI to back up what that investment was. And to be highly scrutinized, you've got to do business. Your business model needs to change a little bit. So, and that's where we can come in and help. Love it.
1: As we wrap this up, Sarah, this is a, I mean, (laughs) We're, we've put a bow on the top of this package and, and have taken a new angle and marketed this differently. It's the same stuff we've been doing for the last 50 years of right. our, of our <laughs> business. I mean, we started doing this in 1972. We're just calling it something different. But I, I mean, it is such this concept within proposal development and capture too. I don't want to leave out the capture. I think it's a an important part of the consulting that we do, but it's such it's growing rapidly. The interest, the as I said, the this broad scope of client base that we now have that spans federal, state, municipal, nonprofit, universities, for-profit entities. I mean it is every one of our clients are saying, how do we capture this grant funding, which is trillions of dollars every year? What do you see is going to happen over the next few years in this? I mean, it's just it's such a
0: huge part of our business now, and I think it's going to continue to grow. Agreed. And I think nomenclature, approach, strategy, that can all change and evolve as the years go on. But like you said, the principles and the process are the same. It's still the baseline. It That is, you know what I mean? That's what the the pillars or the building blocks are. And so I think that it evolves. And so over the next few years, we'll see what we've seen recent, you know, over the last two years is larger amounts of money that's being appropriated. And I think we're going to continue to see it pushed down to the agencies or the states that it's typically been handled at the federal level. So I think we're going to, I just see us a lot being partnering with those, you know, with businesses, with municipalities to educate them. And to help ease those growing pains that they see. But I don't see it slowing down. I don't care what people say. It doesn't matter the administration that's in, right? There's, there's money and it's to help folks grow and find opportunity and they need to partake of it. And I think a lot of the organizations,
1: DOD, FedSiv, they have seen the value of working their acquisitions for both commodities and services through a grant process. That's, I I just, it's not going to go away. I mean, they're going to continue down this path indefinitely, which I'm excited about. So if you're a, if you are a state, federal, municipal, nonprofit, university, (laughs) for-profit, Just, it will link to all of this in our show notes, but reach out to us and, and we'll help you build a pipeline. We'll help you build a capture strategy and capture plan, and then do the proposals for you where for not a lot of money, you can have a huge return. I think I've told you this story. We had DLA a few years ago asked us to, to build out a cost for b- business development for federal contracts, how we work business development with our clients, what does it t- typically cost for capture, what does it typically cost for proposal development. So we built this whole analysis for DLA. And I mean, I this is really changing, skewing the return on investment for how much time and money you invest in capture and proposal and the return that you can get for uh, pursuing some of these grants. I would encourage you to reach out to our team, have us work with you collaboratively to make this happen.
0: Absolutely. And we are running, you know, we've been running a special at the first of this year. And we, you know, that we give 30 minute free consultation, any client, we take these all week, every day, that we just want to talk to them, tell us your capabilities, what are your goals, what's your strategy, and let us tell you what's out there. Because what people don't know is, when you say we work with clients, I can work with someone in agriculture, and then it's on to energy the next day. And then it's a construction firm, then it's, you know, snow removal, it can be anything. And I don't think that Folks out there are educated on the different opportunities you can find money for anything. And so I can build my own house, but it probably wouldn't look great. So I hire a builder. You can probably (laughs) figure some things out, but come let the experts help you out and find you, you know, some money. I love it.
1: Anything else you want to talk about tied to our grant capture and
0: proposal practice area? No, I think we, When I don't think, I know, we have some of the best writers, proposal leads, managers, capture managers, DTPs in the entire industry. I mean, we work with, and obviously for NDA purposes, but we work with some of the biggest companies in the entire U.S. And I, when I tell my family or I go, you know, if I'm talking about it at home, it, it's insane to them that they think this big of a company would hire you know, hire us to help them, but they don't, they understand who the experts are, just like we do and use utilizing their services. So I I love what I do. And I love that we have such a vast array of clients and services that we offer. And I've started now telling people, we really help you win and can supplement anything you need in your business. Right. So happy to be on here and chat with you. And thank you.
1: I love it. I love what you're doing. I love how much process and infrastructure that you have given to this team to make them successful and it's happening it's working we are the best grant capture and proposal firm in the world there is no one that does this like we do it it's amazing and you have in the last two years you have put together a model that's just absolutely incredible thank you thank you awesome.
0: What do you do when you're not working? (laughs) Ski? No, you know, that's not true. John's going to get me skiing again. (laughs) We're going to get on the (laughs) mountain. I I, Youngest is a two-year-old, so I chase him around a lot. But I do love reading. I think I read a total of 16 books since Thanksgiving. So, yeah. So that, that is what I do. But really just spending time with family and friends. I
1: love it. That's great. Sarah, thank you so much. So I can't wait to see the response on this episode. Let's see if you can beat a million Break billion it.
0: Billion Break the internet. Downloads. <laughs> That's your objective. A million <laughs> downloads on this episode. i are getting the thoughts going as soon as we're off. <laughs> love it. Hey. Thank you so much.